This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Readers Entertainment Radio, and I am your host, Patricia W. Fisher. I'm going to be talking to you about fabulous, with, with fabulous authors and about their wonderful books and stories and how they got from the concept to the actual print book or digital book that uh, everybody is asking about. And today I have a fabulous um, guest. He is a gentleman here from the same town as I am, San Antonio, and his name is Fernando Rover Jr. He is an author and born and raised here in the Lone Star State. He attended uh, Texas Lutheran University, and he earned a dual bachelor's in arts in English and history. Um, he is currently uh, earning a Master's of Arts in Communication Studies at Gonzaga University. His writing interests range from millennial interest, popular culture, black male experiences, feminism, LGBTQ, and the spoken word poetry. His work has appeared in Odyssey, Cage Bird, Buddies, Black Press USA, and San Antonio Observer. And in ni- 2019, he released a poetry anthology, Labyrinth, it's available now on Amazon, but it was selected as the 2019 Best Indie Book Award for Poetry. So I am super excited to welcome to the show today, Mr. Fernando Rover Jr. How are you today, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you so much for being on today. I was incredibly excited to see um, a obviously a local author to win um, this Indie Book Award. How were you always a poetry writer or were you a short story writer? Where did you start your writing, your writing journey? Um, I originally started in fiction. Um, I was a freelance, like I was kind of like a, I did fiction writing as a hobby when I was, when I was in my elementary, middle and high school. Um, mm-hmm. And then I went on to study English in college, English and history, and then I kind of, I dabbled, I kind of stumbled into journalism because I got a, uh, I got a newspaper scholarship to write for the, for the school paper, so I did, so I did nonfiction writing for a few years, and then um, once I graduated, and I kind of, you know, I graduated from college, I, I, I stayed abroad for a few weeks, and then I came back, and then really just the ideas kind of came to me in a poetic voice. Um, sure. And then, and at the same time, I discovered open mics here in San Antonio, and so I kind of, would, I would go to a couple, and I would kind of watch them on online, and so that, that kind of, so I guess a combination of curiosity and just kind of a very large creative, creative think tank, kind of led to the idea yes. of okay, well let's let's try to let's try a poetry book. So, were were you a big poetry reader before then? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, again, okay. I was a, I, I'd always been a lover of books, so that's what yes. led me to wanting to major in English. And um, oh yeah, I definitely was a fan of you know, Langston Hughes. I was a fan of Maya Angelou, Robert Frost, um, and in some cases um, Shakespeare as well. Like uh, you know, uh-huh. he, I took a class on him, and you know, I, I admit I was kind of leery about taking a class on him because he's just so difficult to understand. But once we read each like his sonnets and so on and so forth, you know, you kind of, a lot of our technique actually comes from 
him. Like a lot of the influence, like a lot of the metaphors you use and the meter and all that good stuff. A lot of that comes from what Shakespeare kind of revolutionized a lot of it. I mean, a lot of it was done before his time, but he was one of the first well-known individuals to really take it and kind of run with it. Right. And it also helped too around that. It was not too long after that, that the printing press came about. So then you had a much broader reading audience. Of course, people who were actually allowed to, you know, uh, be illiterate, but I mean that, that also propelled uh, propelled him forward. And and it's interesting that you bring up Shakespeare because um, I know a lot of people are intimidated by it who maybe just had to read it in high school or uh, junior high, sometimes in college. Um, and one of the big things that I always push for people to do if they're intimidated by, say, reading a biography about somebody new or um, starting with a children's book and they're actually children's adaptations of Shakespeare. So you can get those same. So I, I had a gentleman uh, I know that said, I've never read it and I'm not sure I want to, it's on his bucket list. So um, yeah. it's very cool to find that there's layers of pulling people into those different, um, different worlds of literature. So it was very cool to see. Um, but so you've you've written you've you read the uh, multiple poets and wonderful poets. Um, what were some of the go-to books for you uh, through elementary school into high school and on and beyond? Just for your own, um, you know, voracious um, knowledge base. So one of my favorite, one of the, one of the very first books I ever read that really influenced me. I didn't realize that until later. It actually wasn't a fiction book. It actually wasn't a poetry book. It was a fiction book. It's called Bud, Not Buddy. It's written by Christopher yes. Paul Curtis. And I, uh, so we read it actually in fifth grade. Um, our, our fifth grade teacher uh, read it to us, and I read, and I went back and read it myself. Um, you know, back then they had those uh, those those scholastic book fairs and the book orders, and so you would order books, and they would you know come in to sit through the classrooms and. Um, the reason why it influenced me was because that was the first, one of the first books I remember reading that was by an African American male. You know, it was, a, and, it was right. and he was a children's book author. You know, what I mean, like, I mean, there were other right. authors that were around, but I mean, I wasn't, I didn't read like James Baldwin and Lexi Hughes and you know the other writers until I was like in high school or college. But in elementary school, like, if I could pinpoint the first book that really influenced me, that was that was that one, Christopher Paul Curtis. Um, and then going on in the middle school, you know, again, a lot of the Greek, like the Greek tragedies, like on Cronus and Era, and, you know, a lot of the, I mean, I liked how the, the creative imagination, you know, like they were, they were a lot of fables and folklores, and that was really interesting. Um, and in high school, of course, so, so I was an, I was an honor, so I was an honor student from seventh grade all the way until 12th grade. So we got to read all the cool books. Um, we read everything from The Giver to, uh, we read Hamlet, Macbeth, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Like a lot of those mm-hmm. books were very influential. And then twelfth grade, eleventh grade, and twelfth grade was when my English teacher was like, like those two classes, we were given free reign to do a report on a book of our choice. And so I, so I, I picked. Okay. Um, I picked a book. It's called The Known World. It's by Edward Norton, I believe. And, okay. Um, it was. It was interesting because it was a book about it was a book about slavery, but the slave owners were African American, which was a shock to me at the time. You know, oh, okay. We're used to we're used to hearing it being the other way around, so that was that sure. was interesting. 
Um, and then there was another book that influenced me that I wouldn't understand its influence until much later. So actually when I was writing Labyrinth, it's a book okay. called, I can't, the author's name I can't pronounce because it's, it's Swahili and African, but um, the book's title is um, For Colored Girls. And um, okay. it was it was a book of poetry written from written from the perspective of women of color, and they touched on different topics. And I thought it was great. It was a great book of poetry, but there was I feel like there was something like that missing. But it needed its own male voice, not male voices in the book, because the book was fine the way it was, because it, it was it was central okay. to the female experiences. But I was but you know I had never found a male book written by a male author about about black men that was that vulnerable and that was that honest before. I had never seen that before. And I didn't see that for the next three or four years of, of college. And so when I got to a point to write Labyrinth, that's what I was looking for. I was looking to really convey experiences of black men from a, a perspective of being vulnerable and being honest and being, you know, being raw in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of times that's taboo because as men in general, but black men in particular, we don't, we don't, we're not taught to express our feelings. We're not taught to express our thoughts or our emotions. So I knew I was kind of breaking a lot of rules, but all the authors say when you're an author, you break rules. So you're not an author if you're not not breaking rules. So (laughs) that's true. And I mean, it's, and there's, I think, is it, um, is it Tony Morrison that said, if you, yeah. If you don't see a book out there that's, you know, you want to read, write, write, write the book. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and exactly. that's exactly what you did. Um, and, and I talked yeah. to so many authors about this, and it's like I wanted to read a book about my experience. I wanted to read a book about this. And although I was finding some, they weren't, you know, really hitting the mark for me. So, um, and that's, yeah, it's, uh, your story is, is classic, beautiful for uh you know, a committed writer because you know it's it's not just as easy as let me slap this on page the page and um, you know go on with my day. It's it, it's almost all consuming just mm-hmm. to get those words right. And then of course then the editing process, which is so much fun. Uh, agreed. Uh, agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did you you know you you've decided you're going to write this book and what made you? Because there's always the discussion about do you send it to a publisher, do you self-publish it? You just you you decided to self-publish it. And then what was your process there? Because I know a lot of people think, oh, if you do it on your own, if you do indie self-pub, um, that's that's an easier path. But there's plenty of things that you have to cover in that process. Mm-hmm. What walk us through what you did. Well, it was hundred percent me. <laughs> I I honestly I mean, I had some perspective and I had some tips because I had a couple of classmates from college and, and a lot of my professors, they published through Amazon. Um, the reason why uh-huh. I chose self-publishing, the reason why I, the reason why I chose self-publishing is, and I'm just going to be 100% honest and transparent with you, I wanted to maintain my artistic voice. Um, oftentimes, sure. when you go through traditional publishing, you kind of have to negotiate a little bit of your artistic integrity because you know, it's a business and they, they have to make sure that your book is marketable. They have to make sure that, you know, there's a market for it and that it can sell. And so that means they have to kind of tweak and tailor certain things to make it, you know what I mean? But oftentimes what you present to them by the time it's the finished product, it looks like a totally different book. And, 
And I think we're moving towards more indie self-publishing now because I think a lot of times, I mean, no offense to, you know, Simon, Simon and Schuster and Random House and all the big name publishers, but, you know, the, sure. the recent books that I've seen them releasing haven't really been, I mean, they've been good sellers, but I wouldn't say I see myself or I see my experiences in those authors or in those books that they're sure. selling. And so that was a big, I remember I had a professor of mine who published a book herself. She published it through an independent um, university press and she was very adamant. And, and I thank her for that every day for that. When she said, well, if you want to be a published author, be prepared, be prepared to work. You would be prepared to you know, sell yourself because either, either if you go through traditional publishing, you'll have to work with somebody. If you go through self-publishing, you got to do a lot of the work yourself, but you still have to figure out like, like your own, like you're your own marketer, you're your own agent, you're your own editor, you're your own illustrator, right. you're your own art director, you're your own seller. Like you have to kind of figure out what you're gonna do from from A to Z. And so I, right. I made the decision to go I made the decision to go independent because I knew that I could control like how it's being how it's sold and how it comes out, how it's created. And really it was and I, I thought to myself, well who else can create who else can can market this and promote this book better than me. I mean, I'm the author. I mean, a lot of the experiences I've either seen firsthand or experienced firsthand. So, yeah, I made the decision right. to go indie, and I chose Amazon because it was easier at the time. And it was the, – the good thing about Amazon is that they only do the they – only, they only cover printing costs. So, really, they mm-hmm. only take a percentage of how much it takes to print. They don't take anything else after that. Um, and you set the price that – and you set the price, and what's really great I like about Amazon is that they never let you set the price lower than $9. They want it to be above $10 because I think to me that speaks volumes about they appreciate your value because oftentimes, you know, they'll say, you know, put it at $5 or put it at $6, and it's like, well, you know, so um, – yeah. Yeah. They they let you they let you, they let you set the price. Of course, they do have guidelines like your your imagery has to be. I mean, I mean, it's one thing. It's because because there are a lot of erotic authors that use Amazon. But again, your mm-hmm. image, the imagery has the imagery can't be offensive. It can't be. You know, there are certain strict guidelines that you have to kind of stick in front of. I mean, yeah. I mean, you have free reign to do what you want, but the imagery and the language can't be offensive and, you know, cause, cause, and really that's a good point because how are you going to sell that if, if it offends people, you know what I mean? Like, how are you going to sell that if, you know, if it's not, if, again, there has, like you have to understand that there, there has to be a market for it, but you also have to understand that you kind of have to be, you kind of have to kind of, you can't just sell to one audience. I mean, I, I want right. to, do that, but you know, I kind of, I always knew that even though my book is for black men and for black experiences, I also have to, I can't just, you know, bash other minorities and, and other other people and you know, kind of say it's all about me. Like I have to kind of, you know, come at it from a different angle. So, so that's yeah, right. I, I mean, you want your audience I, to be as broad as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and knowing, and it's hard because poetry books are, are harder sell um, because I think a lot of people uh, don't appreciate it as much as we probably should um, and there's you know there's a big push right now within the indie markets and the traditional markets and there's a big upheaval um, specifically uh, right now with the Romance Writers of America they're having a big um, problem with own voices and um, mm-hmm. making sure all that's fairly represented so it's 
it, there's this big transition going on right now. There is a call for uh, diversity, and, and there is a call for, uh, you know, own voices and diverse. And, and I use that word loosely because it, there's always been, there has always been wonderful authors out there. And, you know, what are you wanting to read? Um, but I think it's important that people are putting sometimes those uncomfortable discussions out there because we can't change our ideas or even if we feel like we're a good ally or we're a good you know person to stand next to whomever um do we really understand what their voice is and their experience and i think poetry and and books help all of us um understand each other a little bit better Um, and so i really appreciate you writing this and I was reading Thank your you. book, and one one particular um, poem I really really hit me was um, called "Token" that you had um, <laughs> that you had written. And I mean, it's it's very um, straightforward and raw, and and like you're saying, that was the point of the book was to lay things on the table and and say, here we are. Um, Correct. What when you're writing your poetry. Do you just, you know, as, as Hemingway said, open a vein and bleed on the page? Do you do you do that and then go back and like let it sit there and then go back, or do you are you all are you do you edit as you go? How what is your style? Honestly, with this project, it kind of varied. I think a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of the some of the poems were written over a course of a few years, so a lot of some of them did have to sit back, and I kind of had to revisit them. Sometimes we edit them, sometimes we revise them over and over again because I could because they just weren't right to me, and then some mm-hmm. just kind of were some were kind of born on the page. Um, Token was one of those poems actually. It was actually born as it. it I kind of I was watching the Golden Globes. Um, I believe it was 2018, and um, I I learned that it was crazy because there was. I think maybe one or two African American winners um, at the Golden Globes, and then the previous year the Oscars, there was no African American winners. And so, right, I just, right. My whole thing is, is like again, like, and if there were, there was like one movie with one African American, or you know, or if I would see a TV show and there was one male character, there was one African American character, and they didn't speak, or they spoke every other scene, or didn't speak at all, and. And so I just kind of got to a point where I was like, you know, I just I'm at a point where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to be your token. I'm not going to be your 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 symbol of diversity, even though I'm not. You're not really diverse. You just have me there to show that you're diverse. Um, right. So really, it was it was it kind of started off as a list. Honestly, I would just say, you know, my blackness is not for you to take and create a space where it doesn't exist. My, uh, you know, my, 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 my blackness will not be seen as a joke. My blackness will not be seen as a, as a reason to say this, you know, it was kind of just like things that I had been noticing, like in the media or um, TV or television shows. But I oftentimes I feel like we as African-Americans are kind of made to be like characters. Like oftentimes we're uh-huh. there for comic relief and shock value, which is not really value in my opinion. So um, I think really that one in particular was just a really a response to what I've been seeing. And it kind of was, we kind of, I kind of was just writing it as, as I kind of, as it came to mind, but there were some other ones that kind of, there were some other ones, like for example, um, I believe it's called two our years ahead. That one was written. That one was written actually after my sister passed away and it actually had another title on there and it kind of sat there for a minute. I actually 
I actually turned, so I actually wrote a blog post and then I turned it into a poem. That's so it kind of has an interesting um, history behind it. And then the title, the title was called a field first um, because that's kind of what you are when you're, when you're grieving somebody, like you're not there you're kind of just, you're, you're out to lunch. And so it was a good title, but it was, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't pop off the page with that title. And so, um, I decided to call it Two Our Years Ahead because my sister, her name was Toya, but we call her Toya for short, so T-O-Y-A. So if you, uh-huh. look at the, if you look at it, it's Two Our Years Ahead. It's an acronym for her name. So I feel like that's more, because yes. I feel like that kind of summed up what I was really feeling when I was grieving. And so that one actually, again, that one sat for a minute, and then I kind of kept looking at it over and over again to kind of see what I can do with it. And then I finally titled it Two Our Years Ahead, and it felt complete. So honestly, Different ones require different, um, different things. So, when you're going through school, high school, elementary school, and such, and you're writing and you're reading, did did you ever approach any of your instructors and said, "Say, I'm thinking I might want to write it," like you're saying, fan fiction or not fan fiction, fiction, short stories, or whatever? What kind of advice did you get from your instructors? Um, keep writing. Um, Good. just write it, you know, um, write it, write it to get out of yourself and then go back and edit it later. You know, it's really, they don't really, I, they say, you know, they say it's not good to edit as you go because you never finish a lot oftentimes. Just kind of get, get the thought right. out first before you actually do it. Um, and then, um, and then also, yeah, just keep writing and, you know, keep, keep, um, keep developing your voice. And um, also read, read everything, read everything, not just right. black authors, not just female authors, read everything. And, you know, just, you know, always live too, because you're not, you're not an author if you don't live, because how, how else are you going to have material if you don't live? And so um, I think, and that makes sense because, you know, it wasn't until I traveled for the first time that I really had some really strong material. But I think beforehand I had a lot of potential a lot of, you know, good voice. But, I mean, I was only 19, 20, 21 years old. I mean, I wasn't really – I hadn't seen a lot at that point. I mean, I've seen some, some sure. things, but I didn't, I didn't, didn't know a lot. But, when I, but at 22, 23, 24, then 25 is when I eventually released the book. I mean, I 18 to 25 is, is a big shit of time. That's, that's seven years. Oh, yeah. And, and I've seen oh, yeah. a lot of myself – and I've seen, I've seen a lot of myself change in those seven years. I mean, I'd witnessed the first African-American president – during that time, I'd witnessed the Black Lives Matter movement. I was 20 when that movement sprung up, sprung up, and then I was in college and we were having those conversations about, you know, on the news of those different killings. I mean, I was, I was, I, I remember I was working in a nonprofit when the 2016 election happened, and you know that conversation mm-hmm. that happened. I remember all of that. So I'd seen a lot over that span of seven years, and so I think that's why Labyrinth is so strong because a lot of those poems were born out of thoughts and questions that I had during those times, you know. Sure. And where, where did you, where did you get to travel? I went to Scotland for two weeks. Um, I, oh, wow. I took a class. I took a class. Um, it was like a theology class and the trip was part of the okay. class. And then, um, and we were there for two weeks. I got to explore. I got to kind of walk and meditate and sit and be quiet for a minute. And it was kind of, it was fun, but it was also kind of scary because I mean, I was I was I was I was on, I was in another country by myself. My my family didn't go. I was with I was with students and professors, but 
I was the first one in my family to study abroad. So there were a lot of, there was a lot of anticipation and a lot of, you know, a lot of nervousness from my parents and family. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so much going on in the world nowadays. We would have understood that Scotland was a hundred percent safe. I mean, it was, and then where I was at, I was on an island, so it's it was really hard to get to that island. So we were very, very, very safe and secure. And um, it was just like I said, it was just, it was just nice to just be there, and just just to walk. You know, there was a beach right by our lodge, and so we got to go there and just kind of sit and you know, kind of listen to the waves. And and then also I I journaled a lot, so I journaled some stuff. And then when I got when I got back. You know, I had the idea of doing like a project. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a, a poetry book or a novel. I was, I finally had a, I, I was the first time I finally had a, uh, um, I finally had material that I could turn into a, a project. Um, I, just, I just didn't know right. if it was going to be a poetry book or a novel, but I think it became poetry because again, the ideas came to, a, they came in a poetic voice. And at the time, I was exploring um, poetry. So, what, um, what time of year did you guys go? To Scotland. It was summer of 2016, so um, okay. two, two weeks in two weeks in June. Yeah, I was going to say I would assume that you guys would go in the summer because uh, winter's pretty brutal. Um, oh yeah, no, there. it's, it's and, snows and it's a blizzard. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, four hours of sunlight and. <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got to go to Norway in college um, and in the summer and it was very um like your body clock's already messed up because of just the jet lag and then it's light until what midnight and then it's um never really totally dark but it's just kind of a twilighty and then it's light again at three or four in the morning it's very disorienting um so i assume with you going in june it was a similar um you know, amount of sunshine going on while you were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry, absolutely, in June, not absolutely. January. <laughs> so, yeah. And it was still pretty chilly, right, with it being there, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's summer? It was, it's, yeah, it's kind of like winter here. Like, it's not really winter, um, but it was still right. overcast <laughs> and a little a little bit of breeze. But to me, it was, it was doable than what their, what, their winter, what their winter really is like. So Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I mean in Scotland and they they're just uh, it's it's a beautiful country. It's just um it gets cold for sure. Um so as you were is as you're writing this and you're going to uh, you've you've done the artwork inside or the photography inside, you formatted it, you've got it ready and now you've submitted it to the contest, the indie contest. Um what was your reaction? Because, you know, when you submit to a contest, you just, you know, okay, it's done, it's out, I can't, you know, think about it now. Um, and then you get the notification that you've you've won. What was that like? Shocking. <laughs> I was I was at work, actually. I was, I was yeah, I was at work, and um, I got an email, and I told my coworker, I was like, hey, can you come and read this really quick? Because it was legit. And then it right. was legit, and um, it was crazy because I couldn't really announce it until, like, much later because they were still counting and still kind of finalizing it. And once they sent their their, their, their joint press release was when I was able to do it. So I kind of waited okay. a few days. Um, and so when I actually so – I, I kind of had to sit on it for, like, two days, which was really hard because I was, like, 
I want to tell people, but I can't because, like, you know, they, they send you an email and they say, okay, you know, you, you've won preliminarily, but until we send our press release, we ask them that you not leak out the information that, like, people that didn't win can be notified and that way it's fair. So, um, no, it was, it was, a, it was a huge shock. Cause I mean, I, I submitted, I submitted it like last minute. I was like, well, I kind of wanted, cause I was always told, you know, it doesn't matter if you win, just so long as you submit your work and then, um, right. So people could, that way it can get in front of people's people, other people's eyes. And so, but when it won, I was very, very shocked. And to, to win in the poetry category was crazy. Cause again, it's, it's self-published. It's, it's independent. You know, I'm a first time author, I wouldn't even call myself a yeah. professional poet. Like I just, I just had an idea and I just ran with it. So it was, it was very much the the non traditional <laughs> route. So it was, yeah, it was rewarding, very rewarding. I bet, I bet it was. Um, and you've done some open mic nights here in in San Antonio, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you you have one coming up? Or yeah, you just so I have had a book, one. I have a book signing coming up actually. Okay. Yeah, I okay. did. I did. And where will, I did open where will that be held? It's at the it's at the it's at the event center. So T H A and the event center. It's at three twenty nine okay. Aransas Avenue, seven eight two one zero. If you if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, Fernando Rova Jr. All one word. Um, there's a poster uh-huh. that's circulating around, and it's yeah, it's February twenty ninth, Saturday next Saturday, um, and it's from four to six. Okay. And all of your social media for anyone listening, all your social, all the social media for uh, Mr. Rover will be in the write-up of the show, and I'll have all the links for all that as well, as well as the buy link for his book uh, to Amazon. And so now that you have events coming up and people are coming up and talking to you about your writing and everything, what is the next project? What is your next writing project? Oh, that's that's been the million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that I have something. I have something okay. cooking. I mean, I, I mean, I always do. Okay. I mean, I always have I have ideas. Um, it's definitely going to be along the the realm of what Labyrinth was. There will be photographs and there will be content like poems in there. Um, and it'll and I am working on it steadily. Um, Okay. But I'd rather keep it a secret about when it's going to come out. Sure. Yeah, I always think that the second um, the second project is the hardest because you know the first nobody knows you exist in the publishing mm-hmm. arena, and now you've had the success with this first book and the new release. People have read your stuff and they're saying, "Where's the next thing?" Um, and yeah, it's just but you gotta like you're saying you want to give it the same care that you did for the first one. Um, and that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey, <laughs> Jeffrey, I can't, I'm probably butchered last name, but Jeffrey Eugenides, he wrote the Virgin Suicides and Middlesex. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. He once said that, you know, you write your first book in a huge state of innocence. Like you don't know what you're doing. You don't, nobody knows who you are. But the second book is when you teach yourself how to be a writer because people know who you are now and, you know, you've gone through the experience and the process. So the second, the second project is really when you become uh, an author because it's like, yeah. it's kind of like the, like your, he said, he said like your first book is like a, um, a gift. Right. <laughs> and now everyone knows who you are. Um, so what was the reaction from your family when you got to tell them that you had won this award? 
same as mine, very shocked but very proud. <laughs> um, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was I mean, it was really great. And, you know, the San Antonio Observer, they're a newspaper here, and um, they, did a, they did a story on it because, you know, I write for them, um, freelance just right. writing for them, and so it was a big deal. Well, it was a big deal because, you know, I'm from San Antonio, so to have one of their own become a award-winning author, they want to profile that and, and show that as a as a good as a good thing. And so it was. And but not only that, but I also think because I was African American, that was also another big part because it was important, and I knew that. I knew that that me being African American was a huge thing because that meant that our voice was being heard by someone, and you know. So, but they were very proud. Um, and they, I mean, they were surprised, but not surprised because I've wanted to be a writer since I was nine years old. So Sure. Um, well, and you've also written not only this, but you've written multiple articles for the Observer, the San Antonio Observer, um, and you've got other articles out there as well. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, this, is, this is not like you just sat down one day and said, I think I'll be a writer. I mean, this is a process of a lot of hard work. And like you've said, you've, you've done a huge amount of research and reading and, and, and done the homework on, you know, traditional versus self-published. And I, I, do you have people now coming up to you and saying, I've always wanted to write a book and they want you to tell them in, you know, 30 seconds or less the process. Uh, Do you have that now? And then people are looking at you like, well, it just can't be that hard. But then, you you tell them the process and they go, oh, yeah, no, I'm probably not going to write a book. Not so many, a co- maybe a couple, but not a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm sure as time goes on, as the book becomes more successful and people know mm-hmm. more about it, I definitely will start getting more of that. Um, but, yeah, as it's true, the idea is the idea of writing a book is more appealing than actually doing it than actually than actually doing it. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's always the I want this, this title, but the I think what was it the other day? I was I was listening to someone say, um, my I, I want to be the noun, but what is the verb to get you to the noun? So, you know, what are you going to do? You know, work. You're going to study. You're going to you know to get to the the title. Um, and so that's the that's the trick, isn't it? To work really hard. Um, and I don't think it, it's Anybody who's successful knows that. So anybody successful within their world, um, and it's. It, but I think that anybody who pours their their guts and their emotions on the page, like you have, um, it's definitely a process. And with some of your some of your poems, I mean, they, they're very very honest. Um, a lot of your all your poems are very honest, uh, but. Was there times when you had to be in a certain mindset to write certain ones? Like yes. you're having a particularly good day, particularly bad day, this is the time to do this. Yes. Yes, yeah. there were some. There was, like I said, when I was grieving, um, I, didn't, I didn't write for a bit, but then I started writing and became healing. Um, and it kind of just slowly got weaved into the project. I didn't, I didn't, go, in, I didn't go into it with the idea of, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in, in the book, but it just kind of happened that, that way. Sure. How do you know when, and I think a lot of authors do this too, how do you know when, the, when what you're writing, so you're writing this, all these different poems, 
How do you know that poem is finished? When the voice stops talking to me. <laughs> okay. okay. When, the voice, when, when the voice has nothing else to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is your best advice for um, young African-American men, young African-American women, young people, uh, anyone who wants to put their voice to paper? What is your advice to them? Um, keep writing, number one. Mm-hmm. Always have a question. Okay. But don't always look for an but don't always look for an answer. Okay. Because some, cause sometimes you're sometimes you're the answer. And then don't be afraid to speak, and don't be afraid okay. to go deep, because oftentimes that's okay. the that's the fear is like, will people get it? Will people understand it? Doesn't matter. If you if you believe in it, if you feel like it's what you're meant to say then it'll come across that way. Yeah, it, I I remember taking a class years ago, and it was if you're not crying while writing this, if you're not laughing while writing, you know, that whatever emotion you're trying to, to convey, um, your reader won't either. So, yeah, just uh, throw it down and see where it goes. Do you, like, there's a, a, the reflections contest that happens every year for the different kids. Would you say that that's a really good place to start for some of the younger children or sure. even high schoolers Absolutely. to say, you know, throw it down, whatever whatever poetry contest or writing contest, just throw it down and get in there, yes? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, definitely. What, um, how did you find out about the, the indie um, contest? Google, honestly. I was looking at different <laughs> awards that I could, I could, I could, um, enter to kind of again get my work out there and that's kind of what I found. Okay. Okay. Would you enter now are you eligible to enter it again for the next time? Or can you yes. just win it once and that's it? Okay. No, you can't no. And actually there were several authors who've won twice. Okay. Okay. Are you are you you think in the future that might be something you want to do? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So you've got your project you're working on. You're going to getting your master's degree, mm-hmm. um, and you're working. I mean, you're just but but it's like all of it's all about the creative outlet, the creative spirit. Um, it does it ever? Is there ever a day that you're just like, you know what? I'm I'm not creative today. Oh yeah, absolutely. There there are definitely there are definitely days when that happens. Um, yeah. And I just, you just, you just got to work through it. Honestly, it just happens, and you, right. know, you just have to understand that it's not forever. And you know, it just sometimes the voice comes when it comes. You can't just always make it come. So yeah, definitely there are days when you feel like, oh, like stifled. But you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I think that that's. And I ask these questions because. I'm sure there's people that are listening that are going to say, well, what if you don't feel creative that day? Um, and I, I do think it's a day, sometimes it's just your brain saying, you know what, you just need to just take a day off. And like you're saying, go read or go read something different. Um, and what would you say to um, people saying, I want to make sure I have these 
you know, books on my bookshelf. So you've mentioned like Bud Not Buddy and The Giver, um, the known you know, known world, the color girls, Hamlet, Macbeth, all the authors that you've mentioned, Langston Hughes and Maya Angelou and 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 you know, what would you tell people to make sure and have on their bookshelves for um for just reading references or material, or would you just tell them to go find what interests them and then find something that they absolutely wouldn't normally read or a mixture? Find a little bit of both. Find what fascinates them, you know, what calls out to them, but also any other favorite authors that they've come across that inspired them to be a writer. Take a little bit of both familiarity, but also unfamiliarity. Yeah. And I and I noticed that you know with your articles too within the Observer, you write um, you know the black male experience, but you also wrote this really great book about um, black girl literary magic. Um, and this it was just a really lovely article about um, Zora Neale Hurston, who how she came about her books. And I think that it's really it was really cool to see, you know, you, you've written all these heartfelt poems about your experience and you're also writing to, to push other authors as well. Do you see that that's something that a lot more authors um, need to do in the sense of helping each other, you know, succeed? And, and even authors that have long passed, do we just keep, we keep talking about them, right? We keep pulling them um, into the public consciousness over and over again to make sure that their their words are are there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I guess uh, I I did that to your point, so I can you know tell her story once again because there are some people that still don't know about her. Um, but I also right. think that as writers, you know, we're in dialogue with each other a lot. So yes, you know, it's I think that's kind of where I was coming from with that. Is that you know, here's someone who spoke about these topics and spoke about these experiences over and over again, and this is why they're important. Do you read, is there a book or a couple of books you go to that are kind of your go-to books to help um, jumpstart or get your get you in the, the mindset to write? Like you know, your favorite? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely Which Toni Morrison. Toni Morrison's uh-huh. Song of Solomon. Um uh-huh. Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin, definitely. Um, Langston, right. Any poems by Langston Hughes. I would say Hughes. Um, I would say Hughes and uh, Hughes, Morrison, and Baldwin were definitely. Okay. Um, definitely. Because my you do mention Giovanni's, yeah. Because you mentioned Giovanni's Room several times in, in some of your poems, um, and you you know you weave. You you know beautifully weave these these different mentions um, of of authors and so it's it's was really cool to not only read your stuff because it's just great but also because you're it's like a little wink to those authors that um, you know, have inspired you and encouraged you all these years so I really really appreciate you being on the show today this has been. Wonderful to talk to you. Thank you, and, for, have, thank you uh, for having me. Absolutely. And you have, um, if you want to see uh, Fernando Rover Jr., he will be at the event center on February 29th. I will have the information for that in the write-up of the show, as well as how you can contact him, where you can buy his book, and talk to him online. So 
Thank you again, sir. And I look forward. Please come back when you have your next project available. I'd love to see um, see it. So thank you so much. I will do that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And everybody, you keep on reading. Thank you again. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.